Oh, man, fuck. Um, hold on. I'm just finishing chewing this muffin. Give me a second. <laughs> Bad timing. Really should have maybe hit record at a different time. You know, my mouth was full of muffin. <laughs> Big mouthful too of you can can't tell I'm chewing a lot here. Mmm. Good muffin though. Mmm. Okay. Mmm. <laughs> yeah, great. Hi. Um this is PH5, the muffin podcast about muffins. Much ado about muffin. Um is that a joke that's been made before? It's probably like a, a bakery named that somewhere. Much to do about muffin. It should be. Um, Shakespeare reference. Uh, yeah, I'm sitting here and I, it's a, it was one of those cranberry orange muffins from McDonald's and I got a coffee. So, check this shit out. Mmm. Mmm. <laughs> Yummy. Well, I, I had this coffee and, and uh... Because, um, today is the last day of the, um, McDonald's Monopoly. And I like to pride myself on being, like, usually, you know, pretty keen and can see through all these, like, marketing ploys that a lot of these companies do. But I am a straight-up fucking mark for McDonald's Monopoly, like, every year. It just gets me. You know, I just like the game of Monopoly, too, to be honest. I mean, not that I play a lot. Uh, but I like it when I do play it, and, um, I mean, yeah, every, every year McDonald's Monopoly comes around, and, I mean, it's like, I'm gonna be drinking coffee anyway, gonna be drinking a lot of it anyway, uh, but for this month, and for this month only, I have the opportunity to simultaneously drink coffee and gamble, so it's kind of like a no-brainer to me. Um, but my point being, uh, I got the cup and it wasn't a, a Monopoly cup. What? Yeah, I know. Brutal, but life's like that sometimes. Last day, I guess, right? Uh, let me have one more sip and then I guess we can get started. Hmm. Hope you guys like the sound of me moaning in delight with delicious foods and drinks, because... That's been the vast majority of what the podcast has been so far today. So anyway, hello. Uh, today we're going to talk about October 2023, for those of you keeping track of the year. So remember how, uh, what's it called? September was crazy with like a billion amazing albums. And I had this whole thing about like any other month, um... Like, a ton of these albums could be number ones. Kind of case in point here, uh, October wasn't nearly as strong as November. And while I I definitely liked all the albums I'm going to talk about, well, except for the ones that, you know, I didn't like, obviously, uh, not nearly as strong of a month as September. But that's that's just the way it goes, you know? That's just kind of the the interesting way that music releases happen. 
some months are blockbusters, other months are busted blocks. <laughs> That's not an expression. Uh, it is now, though. The opposite of blockbuster, busted blocks. Like, you know, like, kind of a flop, I guess. Uh, but, but there was, uh, the number one album from this month, I will say. I am absolutely in love with, obsessed with, and, uh, one of those album of the year uh, caliber type records. So, exciting stuff. Can't wait to talk about it. Uh, I'm a little bit less excited to talk about all the other ones, but, you know, I gotta do it. <laughs> that's, that's, that's why I'm here. Uh, anyway, so thanks for tuning in. I also went to, like, a shit ton of concerts this month. And I've been going to a lot recently, kind of this year. I'm kind of thinking of adding, like, a little, like, concert portion to the podcast where I just do a roundup of the shows and my thoughts on them all. But, I mean, this thing is already, like, a, you know, Disney-Pixar-length feature film every episode. You know, I, I add that into it, and we might encroach on, like, Nolan-esque run times. But, hey, you know what? I only have to put you through this, like, once a month, so... Whatever. You can you can deal with it, I guess. So, why don't we get started? I don't know why I'm asking. I mean, the only person here that controls whether or not we move forward is me. Uh, so, in response to me, I say, yes, let's move forward. Thank you, as always, for listening. If you are listening to PH5, appreciate you. We're coming up on the end of the year. This might be the second last, we'll say, quote-unquote, you know, regular episode. And then we've got to start thinking about year-end stuff. <laughs> That's what it's all about. That's the whole point of releasing a record. Is to uh, Definitely the point of listening to a record is to... Establish it somewhere on the year-end hierarchy. So finally, the uh, the entire point of everything we've been doing will uh, will get to it in a month or two. So let's get started. I'm Phil uh, here with PH5, and we're going to talk about October now. Okay, let's go. Mm-hmm. Okay, so number five for October 2023. We have short fictions with Oblivion Will Own Me and Death Alone Will Love Me. Whoa, buddy. Relax. Can't be that bad. Uh, you know, based on that title, you'd think that this was like, I don't know, some sort of scorched earth black metal record or something like that. Uh, it, it's really not, though. I mean, I would describe this as kind of like a emo indie punk type record. Uh, it's just two guys, some dude on a guitar and vocals and another dude on drums, but... I'll tell you, these guys kick up quite the racket uh, for just a two-man band. Um, again, they, they kind of deal in the territory of, like, shorter, almost, like, punkier emo songs. Um... But they, they have a little bit of fun on this record, too. Um, kind of, you know, exploring almost like kitschy, keyboardy type things that sound like theme songs. And, uh, you know, 
heading into occasional acoustic-y kind of fare. But, you know, for the most part, this is a record that kind of just goes for balls-to-the-wall, rock-in-your-face, um, you know, kind of yelling about being sad, which is an established genre at this point, I'd say. And they do it well. I mean, is this one of my favorite records of the year? No. Um, if this had been a stronger month release-wise, would I realistically be talking about this right now? Uh, probably not. But I'll tell you, when this record came out at the beginning of the month, uh, it was a very slow week. And this was definitely a highlight. This was something that uh, I listened to a bunch of times, and it's short, it's punchy, it kind of gets really quickly to the point, doesn't overstay its welcome, and, you know, there's always a time and place for albums like those. Again, not necessarily one that's going to change your life, uh, but, you know, if you're walking to the store, uh, you could put this on, and by the time you've, like, gotten to the store and shopped and gone back home, you've probably listened to the entire record, and you can say that you did something that day, you know? You know, what'd you do? I, you know, I went to the store, listened to an album. So, you know, it's a, it's a check mark, for sure, of accomplishment that you can claim fame to, fame, claim to, claim to that fame. Uh, yeah, if you can't tell, I don't have a whole lot to say about this one, but, uh, I'm just kind of saying random things right now. But, you know what? I liked the record, didn't love it, liked it, and... You know, there's so much music that gets released every year that for something to even stand out as something that's like, oh yeah, I, I, I like that. Like, that that's an accomplishment. That's a win. Uh, they're a band that's on my radar now that definitely wasn't before. If they ever come to town, I'll definitely be checking them out. Any new music that comes out, I'll be interested in listening to it. So, hey, again, that's a win. Not every record has to be a monumental, you know, earth-shaking masterpiece. Sometimes it's good to just, like, have a record that's just, like, solid, you know? And this is definitely one of those. So, coming in at number five for October 2023, you know, the, the album title is almost as long as the freaking album is, uh, Short Fictions with Oblivion Will Own Me and Death Alone Will Love Me. I'm telling you, it's a much easier listen than the title would imply. So, uh, you know, throw it on at your kid's birthday party, and everyone's gonna have a blast. Just don't say the title out loud. Number four is uh, another actual short, kind of punchy record that came out this month. And that is No Love Lost by Year of the Knife. And this is a, a, a special band with kind of a special circumstance. Um, because a few months ago, remember early in the summer, Year of the Knife were out touring and their tour van got into a very, very bad car accident. Um, most of the band was injured, but uh, Maddie, the vocalist, was very, very critically injured and ended up in the hospital for, I think it was weeks, could have been a month or two. Um, and it was looking really bad. 
You know, there were times where it looked like she might not make it. Uh, fortunately, she's out of the hospital now and uh, is able to walk with assistance. Um, you know, currently going through speech therapy to kind of regain some control over her life in that sense. But it's it's really sad this story because I mean, you know, You're the Knife is like a hardcore band that you know they haven't really jumped out and gotten super famous yet or anything like that, and you know they're still very working class and you know blue collar touring band just trying to make it work based off of touring as much as they possibly can on their music and taking part as much DIY shows as they possibly can and it just kind of goes to show like you know how hard these acts have it really I mean they spend most of the year on the road um, barely making any money you know sleeping on floors sleeping in their vans you know like never really getting an opportunity to have like a solid rest or like you know, proper showers and, and good meals and things like this. But this is the life that they've kind of subscribed to. This is what they've decided they want to do with their lives. They have so much passion about the music that they're making and the scene that they're a part of that, you know, hardship like that, it, it doesn't really... Well, I mean, I'm sure it does affect them and it affects them badly, but despite of all that, they, they want to keep going. And this is what they want to do. You know, it's... It's the hard way out, but... You know, for so many people, that's that's the dream. That's that's kind of what they always wanted to do with their lives. And, you know, they, they get to the point where they get to do it. And it's not glamorous. It's it's quite hard. It's, 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 it's torture, really, to live life on the road like that. And then... You know, you're living this unglamorous lifestyle, just like city to city in a van, and then all of a sudden you get in this car accident, and boom. You know, Maddie's in the hospital for weeks, again, could have been a month or two. Can you fathom what the hospital bills are like? And you know these bands aren't making any money at all. And I mean, there's been fundraisers and whatnot to help out with the hospital bills and all that, but it's just like... Like you... You put your... You really have to be truly, extremely, earnestly passionate about what you're doing in order to kind of succumb, or not succumb, but like put yourself through this kind of lifestyle. And then you get rewarded by, you know, almost dying and a gargantuan medical bill. It's hard out here, you know, and this record, it... You know, it was recorded well before the accident happened. Um, but it, it seems weirdly prophetic in a lot of ways. Um, there are a lot of, like, lyrical references to, like, Maddie's body and, like, just not being fit and, like, you know, references to death and injury and all these kinds of things. And it's, it's kind of weirdly creepy. Like, it, it's almost like it predicted what was going to happen and there's a lot of like frustration in this record that again no one knew what was going to happen when this record 
was being made and being recorded. But in the context of what happened with this band, it just makes it hit that much harder. Um, there's vocal features here with the guy from Sanguish Sugarbog, which is easily the greatest band name out there and most fun to say. Um, and Dylan Walker from Full of Hell. And I can't help but think that these are people that kind of came in and lent their vocals after the fact to show their support in whatever way that they could. But it's, you know, it's a short record. Again, it's only about 20 minutes long. Short, hard-hitting, punchy songs. You know, it almost verges on deathcore at times. But, you know, this is a band that, you know, you can hear the passion for what they're doing in their music. You see the passion in, you know, the updated posts about Maddie's hospital status and all the love and outpouring uh, that's been kind of coming from the scene from everyone and it's just kind of a reminder of like yeah you know the hardcore bands touring life and just the life of a band in general is not glamorous it's not this like rock and roll lifestyle type thing it's hard and it's dangerous and one wrong thing happens and you're potentially in debt for the rest of your life. That's kind of the, you know, the risk you take when you do this. But the fact that people are still doing it and the amount of support that came from the community when this tragedy happened was just mind-blowing. And again, just, again, this is a year where I've been kind of reinfatuating myself with the scene and this is just one more reason why. And, you know, to top it all off, uh, the record's pretty great too. It's good. You know, again, it's not one of those scene-changing records by any means, but it, it's very effective at what it does. Um, I'm sure Heaven Denied is going to be a hit at Pits forever, basically. Um, it's, it's a really cool record, and I just really, really hope that the band manages to have a full recovery and Maddie's able to get back up there on stage so we can see some of these songs live because I can't even imagine how cathartic it would be to go through this whole process of this grave, terrible injury and then, you know, go through this long recovery process while your album is being released and is out and kind of being appraised by the world and then finally full circle getting back on stage and uh, performing these songs that you weren't able to because you've been, you know, critically injured. So, shouts out to You're the Knife. Um, I hope that the recovery process goes as smoothly as possible. Um, and I really hope that we get to see you guys out there on stage soon, despite the fact that, you know, it's absolute hell for you to have to do so. Uh, yeah, so number four for October 2023 is Year of the Knife with No Love Lost. So, number three, we have Naomi Sharon with Obsidian. And so, who is Naomi Sharon? Or Naomi? 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 Potato, potato, burger, burger, 
You know, it's all the same. So Naomi, Naomi, I'm gonna go with Naomi. Makes me sound a little bit more like with it and you know, like cool. Naomi, Naomi. Uh, Naomi Sharon is one of Drake, ugh, one of Drake's latest signees to OVO Sound. And for my money, I would say that, I mean, I don't even know if Drake releases his own music on OVO Sound, to be honest. Uh, but even so, I would say that this is arguably the best record to come out on this label so far. He's had a pretty brutal track record with signings. Um, so Naomi Sharon is Dutch, born in the Netherlands. I have no idea how she managed to catch the attention of Drake, but uh, she makes kind of this Quiet Storm-ish R&B that reminds me a lot of like a kind of modern age Sade. Um, the big kind of difference I would say being um, there's a kind of faint hint, almost a whisper of Afropop influence in a lot of these songs. Like, again, they're, they're very strictly kind of low-key, um, even bordering on ambient at times R&B songs, but some of them really have that kind of um, kind of like plodding background beat, very reminiscent of, you know, a lot of Afropop songs. And uh, there is an African guest artist on this album, which kind of leads credence to that idea. But, which, but again, this kind of makes you think, again, it's just kind of like a modern version of Sade, because, you know, Afropop and that kind of style of music has really made a huge influence on um, modern rap, um, you know, modern R&B, largely because of Drake, I mean, if we're being honest here, you know, and what he did back with Views era, where he was bringing in a lot of those sounds, and... Um, you know, kind of fusing them with uh, the kind of music that he makes. She's a really intriguing and interesting artist. This is definitely a debut record um, in that it sounds like a lot of kind of songs maybe written over the years that have finally been compiled together. Uh, I wouldn't say there's necessarily any overarching thematic concept to it. And you know, some of the songwriting is a little rougher on the edges at times. Uh, but this is an artist that I think we will hear a lot of in the coming years. And for a debut, it's very, very strong. Um, you know, she sings of kind of what you'd expect. Just, uh, you know, bad love and, you know, relationships and men and things like this. But... Her voice is, is really powerful, again, almost Sade-esque, but with a lot more power to it. When she really lets herself belt, uh, you, you, you can really hear that she's a great singer um, and really strong vocals that I think can be used in a variety of different ways. And kind of my personal journey with Naomi Sharon started really early this year. I remember it was, I think it was winter still cold out and it was dark <laughs> I mean it doesn't really mean anything but 
I just noticed that uh, this woman named Naomi Sharon released a new song. Um, and yeah, I'll admit, like, I saw that it was being released through Drake's label, which made me a little bit intrigued. Not because I have any faith in Drake's label, actually kind of the opposite. Um, just because he's missed on every signing that I was like, is he finally gonna, like, is he finally gonna have a, a, a hit signee, like, for once in his life? And, uh... Lead single Another Life was the song that I heard first, and I was just absolutely transfixed by it. I messaged all my friends, being like, Hey, like, if you're like, you know, if you're high this weekend, put the song on, you're gonna thank me later, kind of thing. It just had this really kind of smooth, ethereal, and I hate using that word, vibe to it that, uh, just really, really caught my attention. It made me excited for this album, and the album definitely delivers on the promise of Another Life. Uh, it's probably the best song on there, but there's quite a few other great tracks on here as well. Um, it's interesting, because I haven't really heard any buzz about this, about her or about this record coming out, despite the fact that, I mean, in my personal opinion, it's one of the stronger R&B releases of the year. Uh, but again, like that's not really my wheelhouse. That's not my area of expertise. So, you know, take my word for a grain of salt when it comes to this, for a grain of salt, with a grain of salt when it comes to this, because, you know, I'm, I'm happy to admit that I just don't listen to a ton of R&B, not like I used to anyway. So maybe there's been a bunch of other much much better R&B that's come out that I just haven't really got around to listening to but there's a kind of you know cold darkness and ambience to this record that just is really working for me um and who knows maybe it'll work for you too so coming in at number three for October 2023 we have Obsidian by Naomi fuck Naomi Sharon. <clears throat> okay, mentions time. These are the mentions. Yeah, uh, so... First up, we have the honorable mention. And this one is gonna go to... Sampha with... Lahai? Lahai? Probably Lahai. Lahai sounds kinda stupid. Um... Apologies if it is LaHaye. <laughs> My bad. Uh, so shout out to Bob for putting me onto this one. Um, you know, well aware of Sanfa, but he's never really clicked for me. Um, he's always kind of struck me as the more R&B-ish James Blake, in that just music that's a bit too kind of stuffy for me and too, like, I don't know classically minded, you know, like just piano and, you know, soft, airy vocals. Uh, on the note of James Blake, he had a record out last month too that was actually pretty good. Uh, his best in a very long time, for sure, but I just didn't get around to mentioning it because there were so many other great records that came out in September. Um, and I guess kind of on a similar note, uh, this record was definitely a lot better than I was expecting, too. 
uh, you know, I heard it described as, you know, like, you know, dense, but, but light, and, you know, full of, like, you know, kind of, like, positivity, and, like, you know, questioning about things in life, or whatever, which, like, again, like, doesn't really speak to me. Positivity? <laughs> Come on. Uh, but... Well, the first few songs are kind of whatever, and more or less what I was expecting. Um, the album gets pretty interesting. Uh, especially when Sampha starts rapping a little bit more. And he's a kind of surprisingly nimble and agile rapper. Um, I was kind of shocked when I heard the songs where he was really leaning into his rap cadence. Uh, in a good way, like, wow, okay, like, he's, he's kind of going off here, like, I respect that, um, as we know how great of a singer he is, you know, he kind of got to where he is today because of his, uh, you know, feature-stealing vocals on, what was that song, Too Much, again, by Drake, Drake, this fucking guy, can't get rid of him, um, and he, what was he on? He was on something else, too. <laughs> uh, I don't remember. But, again, we know he's a great singer. He's great in a way that isn't very interesting to me, you know? He's, like, very, like, technically good and can really nail the falsetto. I, you know, I'm more of a fan of, like, vocals that more or less eschew technicality for emotion and... Like, I'd rather really, like, feel things from your vocals, and I'm not too concerned about how pitch on pitch you are, etc. I'm more interested in the personality. And I haven't really felt a lot of personality from Sampha in any of his earlier stuff, but... There's actually quite a lot going on here. Um... He actually seems like kind of an interesting guy. Which is something I, I can say that I never thought before. So... You know, shout out to him for really managing to imbue a lot of that personality in these songs. Um, seems like a cool guy, you know? I'd grab a beer with him. You know, the album talks a lot about kind of the, the passage of time, and he's a new dad, and kind of reckoning with that, and his family, and all these kinds of things. And, I mean, you know, it's, it's subject matter that's been done before. What you're really there to listen to is the interesting production, because he does use a lot of electronic-based production here, um, on top of his classic piano. Piano! Piano. Uh, and the melodies, because again, again, we know what his voice is going to sound like, it's going to sound great, so it's all a matter of can he nail the actual melodies themselves. And for the most part, he does. They're, they're great. Uh, Suspended is a very catchy song that I think will be on repeat for me for most of the year. Uh, there's this song about like a seagull that's kind of interesting, or at least the name is Seagull. I, I didn't really listen to the lyrics that much. But th yeah, the songwriting's pretty good actually. So, I mean, I don't love the record, but it made a fan out of me and out of someone who really wasn't before. So, shout out to Bob for convincing me to give it a listen, and shout out to Sampha for convincing me to continue listening. Uh, so, honorable mention for October 2023, 
is Sampha with Lahai. Dimension. Now this really, uh, I could go off about this for a long time, so I'm just gonna try to keep it as short, short and sweet as possible, okay? Dimension is Taylor Swift, 1990, 19 whatever, 1989, Taylor's version. Okay. Um. On one hand, I get it. Artist empowerment is always good. You know, fuck the big record labels, etc., etc. And, you know, an artist who wants to take back the rights to their songs is something that I can't get too mad about. I respect that. However, we're not talking about any old artist here. We're talking about Taylor Swift. Taylor Swift who, by the way, has just recently reached billionaire status. On the first week of sales, Taylor Swift's 1989 Taylor's version sold one and a half million copies which is like the largest sales I, I can't even remember the last time artists have done that big sales in the first week so a billionaire who already sold millions and millions and millions of copies of this very record released it again and sold one and a half million copies of it in one week. This is while the Eras Tour is an ongoing thing. This is while the Eras Tour movie is out in theaters, destroying the box office. Am I the only one getting fucking sick of this shit? Like, how much money do you need? How much omnipresence could you possibly need? Like... <laughs> how much... Like, how much money have people spent on fucking Taylor Swift at this point? It's completely insane. And let's keep this in mind, okay? All the money going towards the Eras Tour... Eras Tour. Going towards watching the Eras Tour going towards buying the same album that got re-released again, okay? That's all money that could have gone towards literally anything else. Any other artists, people out there that aren't already billionaires stacking up millions and millions and millions more cash. I'm sorry, but a billionaire should not exist in any capacity. I don't care how they got their billions, whether it's through tech, whether it's through finance, or whether it's through this pure manipulation of their audience the way that Taylor has done. So again, 
Let's bring it back to Year of the Knife. And I'm not saying there's any real connectivity here. But Year of the Knife, okay, living out of their van, driving from city to city, sleeping on floors, eating fucking McDoubles every day because it's the only thing that they can afford, get into an accident, hundreds and thousands of dollars of medical bills, probably going to be in debt for the rest of their life, never going to be able to tour ever again because they were stuck with these really shitty conditions of their tour and it led to this disastrous accident. Meanwhile, Taylor Swift, a billionaire, is probably about to make another 50 million dollars in the next fucking two or three months because she released an album that's already out and all the money is going to Taylor from this. It's all going back to her. Like... Does this bother anyone else? <laughs> is it just me? I don't know. Maybe it is. And maybe I'm just salty. Maybe I'm just, you know, a, a salty old man with, you know, I don't know. But this shit is fucking ridiculous, okay? How much money do you need? How much, <laughs> how much sheer omnipresence do you need to have a chokehold on every single facet of the entertainment industry the way that she does? And... We just eat it up. Oh, she's releasing the heiress tour in theaters. That's great. Now I can go and see her again. And I can go and dance and sing along with all my friends in the movie theater. Oh, she's releasing 1989 again. Great. I'll go and buy it again. And listen to all these songs that I've already heard a billion times again. Cool. Oh, she's a billionaire. Great. Let's give her a few more million. Cool. Anyway, the mention for the month is Taylor Swift's 1989 Taylor's version. Uh, and now for the dishonorable mention. That somehow wasn't. Although I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna be much more harsh on Taylor than I am on uh, this next one. So. The dishonorable mention for the month is going to be Reverend Christian Michael Hader with Saved. And I, I, I don't know, I feel kind of bad. <laughs> like, I mean, I just went off on Taylor Swift, um, rightfully so, and then to be like, oh, but this is this is the actual dishonorable mention. This one I didn't like. Uh, that's that's not fair. And I call it the dishonorable mention. Because I just kind of, I guess I, 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 I don't want to say I expected more, I hoped for more, but, well, let me just try to explain. So, this is the new project of Kristen Hader, who used to be known as Lingua Ignata, arguably the most revered experimental art experimental what the fuck experimental artists of the past five or six years or so um she released 
Caligula to massive acclaim, and then followed up with Sinner Get Ready, which was... I mean, by all accounts, in terms of experimental records, just huge. Um, and really propelled her to the forefront of, um, you know, experimental kind of dark music. Um, and Sinner Get Ready is one of my favorite records ever. Um, I think it was my favorite record of that year. I don't know, look back in the archives. So, when she decided to retire the Lingua Ignata persona, I, I totally understood. You know, it was music that was made coming from a place of uh, intense trauma and kind of processing that trauma. So for her to want to abandon that and move on with her life is something that I totally get. <laughs> like, that's totally... Hey, please, you know, like, don't relive that shit anymore. Like... I just want you to be happy and move on with your life and everything's, you know, all good, okay? Like, thank you for those records, but, you know, your own personal well-being is much more important. So, all good. That's great. Um, so she got ordained as a minister or I guess a reverend or whatever. So, when she calls herself res Reverend on this new record, it's quite literal, because she actually is one now. And this new record kind of sees her, in a lot of ways, continuing a lot of the themes that were present on Sinner Get Ready. But where that album kind of took it on from a place of, you know, you know, an objective examination of Christianity and how one kind of processes Christianity in a world that is filled with such ugliness. This record, I guess, kind of does the same thing, which is where I, I guess my disappointment comes in is because while she's kind of taken on this new moniker and, you know, a done this rebirth and all this in a lot of ways I, I don't really know what the difference is here between this record and Sinner Get Ready other than it's just not as good as Sinner Get Ready um, while she does again tackle a lot more I guess we'll call them traditional songwriting approaches here with kind of her takes on hymns and, you know, appropriating traditional Christian music and, in a lot of ways, almost like country music. It just, it, it, it just starts to feel almost like a little bit too much. You know, almost a little too on the nose. Uh, I mean, literally the album is called Reverend Christian Michael Hader uh, Saved. Like, like, okay, like, you know, okay, I, I get it. And then, you know, the second song is like, all my friends are going to hell, and just like, just kind of repeating that like over and over again. It is, it's just, it's just like, um, I don't know. I don't want to say like it's lost its edge because you know there's still, I, I get the artistic kind of viewpoint that she's coming from with this, but it's not hitting the same anymore. Um, you know, she wants to continue her examination of Christianity through both a 
negative and positive spectrum, which is cool. You know, I get that. But in a lot of ways, like, it, this just does feel like a rehash of what she was already doing with Sinner Get Ready. And she's really one of the most formidable artistic talents of our time. To go from a record like that to this, it, it, it really seems like a, a step down and a step backwards. While also kind of being like a step sideways, you know, like it just... I don't feel the evolution. But, you know, if this is what she needs to be doing now, as an artist, as a person, if, if this makes her more comfortable and at ease, you know, in her place as an artist, as a place as a human, in this uh, super fucked up world we lived in, or do live in, I mean, respect. I can't hate on that. Uh, again, just knowing the pain she was experiencing during the lingua ignata days. Like, I'm sure she needed this. She needed a break from all that. Uh, so, hey, I mean, if that's what you gotta do, that's what you gotta do. Um, but I'm allowed to have my opinions. And my opinion is that this just isn't nearly as compelling as the music she used to make. I still think she's fantastic as a person, as an artist. Uh, and I will always, always check for new music from her. But this one just isn't it. Hate to say it. So, dishonorable mention for October 2023 is Reverend Kristen Michael Hader with Saved. Cool. Those are the mentions. These are the mentions. Okay, so. Back to the other things. Two to go. Number two for October 2023 is Dream Well with in my saddest dreams, I am beside you. Oh, <laughs> that's sad. Um, so, believe it or not, Dreamwell is a screamo band. I don't know if the title gave it away or not, or the <laughs> band name. Uh, but they're really interesting, actually. Really fun and unique in a lot of different ways. Uh, you know, to the point where they managed to get to the number two spot for the month. Uh, full disclosure, I saw Dreamwell uh, two nights ago, Friday night, and they put on an absolutely spectacular show. Um, I was right at the front the whole time, because they're awesome. And, uh, yeah, great show. Uh, the singer is really tall and bald, quite the, quite the formidable force. Great vocalist, great mustache, uh, and a great live show. Again, if you have the chance to check these guys out, you absolutely have to. So, Dreamwell definitely have a foundation of screamo, you know? Music that, you know, has some cleaner, more melodic sides before veering into just absolute nasty, harsh, you know, veering on almost black metal-ish heavy sections. 
Um, but what really makes him stand out to me and makes him unique and, and kind of fun to listen to is they're not afraid to bring in other influences as well. Um, like on this record, there are songs that have that kind of every time I die metalcore-ish feel to them. Um, there are songs that almost feel kind of noise rocky, uh, especially with his vocals kind of leaning into the kind of snarly, shouty cadence that you kind of think of when you think of a lot of noise rock bands. Like, while definitely being screamo, they they aren't afraid to use whatever colors and whatever sonic palettes they think is necessary to make the best song that they possibly can. And screamo isn't a genre short on ambition with the bands, you know, like, you're just as likely to get a, you know, 10 minute long song as you are to get a 30 second long song. That's just the fun of the genre, you know, you never know what you're gonna get. But this is a record where the songs are really fleshed out. Uh, you can tell they put a lot of thought into the songwriting here. And nothing seems to be half-assed, nothing's kind of slapped together, everything kind of builds off of each other in a way that makes a lot of sense and results in some really, really compelling songs. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I, I don't have too much to say other than it's just a great record that uh, isn't afraid of using whatever influence they think is necessary to make the best song that they can. Uh, the kind of mellower parts are, are mellow yet, you know, foreboding in that good way that you love. The heavy parts are heavy as hell and go off and trust me, uh, when I saw them live a few days ago, the room was extremely small, but people still managed to find a way to mosh, so if you can make people mosh in a room of like 50 people, then hey, you know you're doing something right. And it, it's just a really strong record that, you know, I... It's one of those genres that I love, and I'll, I'll listen to like basically any screamo that's released. I'll go to any shows that happen and I'll enjoy it. But there aren't too many records of this genre that I'll continuously go back to and like actively seek out and want to listen to. Because it can be a little one note at times. But this is a rec record that employs a lot of variety and makes it interesting. It makes you kind of want to go back and be like oh what was that one part in that one song or like yeah like what was he saying there what's going on it's just a really interesting record um and screamo for all of its you know glories and and, and high points is not necessarily something you can always say is very interesting and this is where these guys excel and succeed at managing to make a really interesting Screamo record front to back. So, coming in at number two for October 2023, we have Dream Well, In My Saddest Dreams, I Am Beside You. They like dreams. 
Okay, so last up and look at the time. We might actually finish under an hour, which we haven't done in a very long time. Good for me. I'm not going to do the band thing. I'll just do a quick little rundown of what I talked about. Of Warsaw, sorry. Ooh, sorry. Big burp. Um, number one for October 2023, we have Census Designated by Jane Remover. And all the other records that I've talked about, as I mentioned, except for the ones that I didn't like, are albums that I've liked even so far as to say that I really like them. But I love this record. It's... From the first time I listened to it, 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 it really intrigued me. And I have been listening to it kind of on and off repeat ever since then, ever since the first time that I heard it. I remember... It was the first record that I decided to listen to on the Friday that it was released, I guess, three-ish weeks ago or so. And I listened to it through and was like, that was really cool. And I just put it on again. And I think that day alone, I listened to it like five times. At one point, I just kind of laid down on my couch and put the record on and just did nothing but listen to it. It's, it's one of those albums that is is really like a journey which is impressive because when you think of records you know that are like journeys or whatever you think that it has all these interesting disparate elements you know and it takes you to so many different places etc etc whereas i wouldn't say that's the case at all with this 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 is a record that kind of lives in two different shades and it kind of only stays in these two shades but it's the way that the record flows from this like kind of almost ambient dream-like quality to this you know visceral noise to kind of dialing back and all the places that live in between those two that make it really, really unique and really, really unlike anything that I've heard before, I think. So, Jane Remover um, is the new alias. Uh, they used to be known by, like, Diltzik? I don't know. It was like D-L-T-Z-K. And they had the record Frailty, which came out a few years ago, which was a kind of massive underground hit. Um kind of in what's known as the glitchcore scene. You know, it kind of became the bible for this new sub-scene of music of this, you know, kind of really glitchy um, experimental-ish emo. Um, and the time since that record's come out, uh, Jane has come out as a trans woman and changed her alias from Dlzik or whatever the fuck to Jane Remover and it really signals this kind of shift in the music that she's making. Um, this is a record that, while definitely having some elements of kind of harsh electronicness, doesn't really sound like that anymore. This is almost like more of a... like, borderline, like grunge record at times it's it's a really 
hard to pin down record, while at the same time you listen to it and it sounds... It sounds familiar, it sounds like music that you've kind of heard before, but just kind of presented in a completely new lens. And it's kind of Jane's status as an auteur producer that makes the record as fascinating as it is. Because while all the songs are definitely, you know, based on the kind of foundation of guitar and vocals, it's the way that she manipulates the kind of atmosphere of these songs that make it really unlike any quote-unquote rock music that you've heard. It's it's like rock music as, as ambient noise? I don't know. It's hard to explain. Uh, what's really interesting about the record, and I mentioned that it just kind of like shifts between these these two kind of modes, you know? It, it's kind of like peaks and valleys, where the valleys are almost ambient-ish, where it's just Jane's vocals and guitar, again, manipulated to sound almost like a fever dream that's kind of there, but kind of not, um, and treated in this almost really ambient way. Uh, and then going from that mode to really loud, kind of bracing guitar with lots of distortion and at times like loud drums that just kind of crash against your eardrums. Um, all while really maintaining this really, really strong sense of melody. And I think what's really cool and what I really love about this album is the, the kind of moods of the record while this album has songs obviously there's 10 songs the moods kind of it, it's an album long experience where like the particular mood will kind of start halfway through one song and kind of bleed into the other one and then slowly morph into like a, kind of like a, a different atmosphere and a, a different like dynamic environment that you know carries forth through maybe two songs and then kind of eases away back into that kind of you know hazy ambient state for another song and a half and it, it it just it swells and diminishes and grows and shrinks it's the album itself is almost like this living breathing organism from start to finish um, and the whole way through, Jane takes you along with just these occasionally really heartbreaking lyrics about relationships with yourself and relationships with other people. And it's just, it's a fascinating journey. And again, it would be just a cool record um, based on the kind of dynamics and the production of it alone, but it's her really masterful songwriting that, that makes this a really, really special listen um, from start to finish. Because it's, on top of everything else that I've described, it's, it's really catchy, too. Like, she knows how to write a killer melody. Um, and she presents them in really unique ways. Like, you know, the first song... There's no real chorus, it's just kind of one 
central idea and theme that kind of gets repeated with minor variations throughout the whole thing. Um, you know, uh, the song video, penultimate track, again, just kind of builds and builds and builds until finally you get this big release at the end that is just full of catharsis. And it's, it's not traditional songwriting by any means, although there are a few songs that kind of follow your standard verse chorus structure, but the melodies and, and, and the way that it's all put together is just so captivating that, it, it, again, it's just a special record um, by a truly special artist who, you know, really has potential to kind of define a generation of this new wave of, you know, really, I'll call it like electroacoustic artists that are using kind of the ideas of electronic songwriting where you're, you're working with sounds and kind of piecing them together. Um, but through the lens of, I guess, rock music where primary instruments are, you know, your guitar and your bass and your drums and your vocals. It's it's really cool. Again, it, it's it's music that sounds totally familiar in some aspects, but totally alien in other aspects. You know, I, I think that's a testament to, you know, what life must be like for someone who, you know, is gone through their lives, I guess, as a, a closeted trans person and finally, you know, accepting and, and becoming and, and self-actualizing who they really are and kind of owning that is, you know, your, your life becomes this really familiar yet really foreign thing where, you know, you, you feel comfortable yet, yet just, you know, the world looks at you differently and, and the world is is unfamiliar to you in ways that it wasn't before it's yeah it's a it's an album full of these kind of dynamic contradictions in sound and lyrics that's just one of the most fascinating listens of the year for sure and could be an album of the year contender oh it's easily a contender but is it the one uh we'll just have to wait and find out in a few episodes i guess so, coming in at number one for October 2023 is Census Designated by Jane Remover. Anyway, that's going to be it for me. Uh, I'm about to head on over to my buddy's game to watch the Toronto Raptors take on uh, Victor Wembanyama. It's going to be exciting. Also, I uh, just want to make it absolutely clear for all the listeners out there that PH5 is a strictly free Palestine podcast. Uh, everything that is happening to the Palestinian people by means of Israel in the West is disgusting. And uh, we need a ceasefire immediately to protect the thousands and thousands of innocents that have already lost their lives, the hundreds of thousands that have lost their homes, and uh, please, we need to put an end to this genocide immediately. So, uh, this is Phil May saying, free Palestine, and uh, 
We'll talk again next month. Thank you so much for listening.